Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them, and thanks for having me on. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows you. Tim Howard. Oh, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. I hope you're doing well and staying safe. I'll tell you what, every once in a while, we have just those iconic guests that join me on the show. And we've got one of them today, Ken Griffey Jr., Baseball Hall of Famer, 630 career home runs, 13-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove winner, 1997 AL MVP. I mean, for my money, the greatest five-tool player that I've seen in my lifetime and a guy who just brings so much joy and character and fun to the game, wore the hat backwards, had a great smile, um, just energy that lights up an entire kingdom or building wherever he played. And I think you're going to love this interview. Lots of stories Long form with Ken Griffey Jr. on our show today. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I mean, it's Ken Griffey Jr. I, I, he's an iconic. I, mean, I love the guy. I grew up watching him. I mean, I'm a Pacific Northwest kid, so Mariners are my team. I went to the kingdom and saw him play a couple times. Iconic. Uh, super excited when you told me you were having him on. So this is going to be fun. He is a new investor and partner with the platform Players TV. So he's joining the likes of Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, CJ McCollum, Vernon Davis. He's going to be creating his own content. And you'll hear he talks about how he had been really uh, cautious about putting any content out post-career and while he's raising his three kids. Well, now that they're a little bit older... Producing content is a little bit more appealing to him. He doesn't have to worry about the privacy of his kids as much because they're, they're grown and, you know, in their, uh, late teens and early twenties. So, um, real opportunity for him to create some content and he loves the outdoors and, uh, just a lot of things I think you'll learn about Ken Griffey Jr. beyond the baseball field in our conversation today. So I hope you enjoy it. Ken Griffey Jr. coming up next right here on Sports Business. Radio. Hey everyone, I'm thrilled to tell you about a new sports business radio partner who's going to help you and whose products have been life changing for me and my family. CBDMD is now the official CBD partner of sports business radio. Many people use CBD products as a regular part of their health and wellness routines, but only the best use superior products from CBDMD. CBDMD has a wide variety of CBD oil products ranging from classic CBD oil tinctures to topicals, gummies, heck, they even have CBD for your pets. From NFL veterans like Nate Burleson and future Hall of Famer Steve Smith Sr. to two-time Masters champion Bubba Watson, CBDMD is tested and trusted by people who know pain. And the best part? All CBDMD products are THC-free. That was important for me third-party tested, and backed by a 60-day money-back guarantee so there's no risk. Look, these are anxious times for many of us right now. We're not sleeping nearly as well. 
I tried CBDMD's award-winning CBD PM Drops, and I now sleep through the night. My daughter loves CBDMD's Revive Moisturizing Lotion and the CBDMD Freeze Pain Roller for her aches and pains from playing sports. And our dog loves the CBDMD Soft Shoes. And because the products are all THC-free, CBDMD is safe for our family. Dozens of companies have sent me CBD product to try over the years, but none come close to the superior quality of CBDMD. Sleep better, relieve your aches and pains, give your pets treats that they will love. And to make it even easier to see what CBD can do for you, CBDMD is offering all of our listeners 25% off your order when you use the promo code SBR at checkout. Once again, go to cbdmd.com and use promo code SBR at checkout to save 25% on your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Again, cbdmd.com, use the promo code SBR at checkout and save 25%. Thank me later. My guest is Ken Griffey Jr., Baseball Hall of Famer, certainly the greatest player I've ever seen during my lifetime, 630 career home runs, 13-time All-Star, 1997 AL MVP, 10-time Gold Glove winner. You can find him on Instagram at the real Ken Griffey Jr. He's also an investor and partner with Players TV, joining the likes of Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony. You can find Players TV online at Players TV. Co. Ken, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Fine. I'm good. How about you? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you making the time. I want to start out. We've got a very close mutual friend, kind of the OG at Nike, Lynn Merritt. He's worked with you, LeBron James, Bo Jackson, Scottie Pippen. And I know you've had a very special relationship with Nike over the course of your career. But tell me about that first meeting with Lynn. How old were you and, and how did you guys uh, meet for the first time? Um, he was doing his due diligence about finding the the baseball player that was um, going to take Nike to an, an, another level in, as far as baseball-wise. And so he visited uh Frank Thomas, David Justice and a couple other guys and got to me and um and ended up choosing me. Uh he says it's because of my wife. <laughs> I just say you know, uh but I say differently. Um but uh you know over the years um you know him being uh such a big influence on my life on and off the field, um, having a dad, but you know, they always say that, you know, it, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, he's part of that village. Um, you know, the, the way that he expresses things, the way he says things, um, now we may not agree on everything all the time, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're, uh, the merits are, uh, the godparents to, to my kids. Um, and you know, it, it, it's a relationship, um, that even though it, it, it started out as, as business has grown to be much, much more, um, still call each other trying to figure out what are we doing? Uh, how's everybody doing, you know, especially in the last three and a half months, what's been going on, um, uh, you know, in, in the country and, and with the country. So, We've uh, 
had a, a lot of time to, to sit back and, and reminisce and he'll, he'll tell stories that I think he fabricated a lot. <laughs> Cause, uh, uh, my dad fabricates some stories now, but, uh, he's, he's one of the guys that, like I said, he, he's, um, when he's on your team, he's on your team and, and it, it's tough to, to, to get him off. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate everything that he's done for, for me and also my family. Yeah. He keeps it real too, doesn't he? Yeah. Sometimes that's the problem. I, sometimes, <laughs> you, know, you don't want to hear that. Uh, you know, especially early on in my career, you know, uh, a little stubborn, you know, being a 19 year old, 20 year old, you know, 19, 20, 21, you're like, this is the way baseball works. And him coming from a different sport, uh, you know, football and, and now basketball, you know, having the, the learning curve of how baseball works. Cause he's like, Hey, we're doing this. And I go, we can't do that just yet. Uh, but you know, I, I did as much as I could. I mean, you know, the breaking of probably, okay. All the rules in baseball, uh, <laughs> You know, the, the mock turtleneck with the Nike logo, uh, the way that I, you know, put my number, how big my number was, um, you know, I just kept saying, I want it bigger, bigger, bigger. And, you know, and they took some, some shots over the years, not from so much from major league baseball, but from, uh, other companies that were like, well, how come Ken Griffey Jr. can do it? And they were like, Hey, we don't have nothing to do with that. He just keep telling us what, but, uh, you know, like I said, he's, he's one of those guys that's, that's been good for, for me, my family and, and really, you know, push the envelope, uh, at Nike as far as what athletes want and need. Mm-hmm. The birth of the Swingman brand. I mean, it's become one of the most successful brands that Nike's ever had. I love the logo that's part of your line, but, you know, I've talked to athletes over the years and some of them are real involved with their product and what it looks like and the design and they want to be involved from A to Z with the process. Other people are like, well, just show me the finished product. Where were you in that spectrum? Um, I want to, I want to see from, I want to go from start. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't make changes at the end. Right. Um, and I don't want to be that guy like, yeah, I love the shoe, but, and then, you know, so we try to, you know, nip things in the bud. I mean, Tracy Teague has done a great job um, designing it. And I think that when they come to, they come to your house when they see what you have, how do you live? Um, they check out your cars, uh, look at your hobbies, and then they go back and they brainstorm uh, about, you know, what can we put in the shoe that, reminds us of him. So when designing the shoe, it was like, I, I have a lot of carbon fiber on my car. That's one of the things, uh, about me is if you look at over the years, there's all about four or five shoes that have carbon fiber in it. And it's just the way I am. Um, you know, I want everything low profile and fast. Huh. So that's the way they design the shoe. Um, even though I wanted a three quarter, they made it a low three quarter. Um, and so I was able to, to play, um, and felt comfortable in the shoe and never really had to change anything. 
because I felt that they knew me so well that when they came back with something, it was going to be good. What was your favorite Griffey Swingman product? Like, I love the Nike Air Griffey Max 1, the original. What about you? It's probably hard to pick, but is there one that one. stood out to you? One? Yeah. Yeah. And it's always, you know, it's it's always your your first. Um, even though my kids think that my second child is my favorite, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> which is my daughter. Right. <laughs> my boys are like, yeah, my boys are like, hey, we know which one's your favorite. She gets everything. I'm like, don't y'all get everything? Like, no, we don't get nothing. I'm like, okay. That's very funny. I guess, I, I guess it's the words daddy, you know, that, that, that comes out of her mouth. And because my kids, hey, pops up and like, oh, you know, my boys. But uh, no, it's always the first. I mean, it is, you know, you just, there's so many things, you know, um, first car, first house, you know, uh, first day in the big leagues. I mean, you know, those days you, you remember for the rest of your life. Yeah. In 1999, Nike bestowed an honor on you that's really reserved for the most elite of an athlete. They gave you your own building on the campus at Nike World Headquarters. I've been to Nike many times because I'm based in Oregon. I've seen your building. My friends have told me about the day of that dedication and that I guess they had some high schoolers throwing you BP and you were just hitting bombs off the side of some of the Nike buildings there. What was that day like for you to get your own building at Nike World Headquarters? Uh, it, it was quite surreal. Um, you know, it's, it's, you hear about it and you're like, okay, but I really, am I really getting this? And, um, you know, and, and have the, the folks at Nike say that I'm worthy of having a building, uh, with all the athletes that they have under their umbrella. It's pretty special. Um, it's wild because when I got there, it was still not real. Uh, it got real, real quick when I started hitting balls off buildings. (laughs) But for the most part, that whole day I was like, I can't believe this is happening because you don't, uh, my thing is when people go out of their way to do something for you, it means a lot. Yeah. You know, and, and that goes, you know, from <clears throat> picking, um, from the all-star game that they go in there and take those little, and then they poke your name out, uh, to online saying, Hey, I want to see this guy play. Um, to, you know, at, at the time they were doing gas station, uh, uh, you could pick your, pick them out, pick the names while you were pumping gas. I mean, for some, to me, that, that's special. And I don't take those things lightly. And for Nike to say, Hey, we want you to have your own building and this is going to be on the campus, uh, forever. It's, it means a lot. Yeah. Your Swingman brand. So again, I love the logo. Ken, I've always wanted to ask you this question. Most people agree, at least in my lifetime, I wasn't alive for Ted Williams or Willie Mays or anyone like that. You have the sweetest swing ever. Where is the origin of that swing? Is that something you were just born with and and that's your natural swing? Or were there people that you grew up when you were playing baseball as a kid and you took a little bit of this and a little bit of that from their swing and then it became your swing? No, the only person that I wanted to be like was my dad. 
And so if you look at early on, um, I was hunched over like him, um, even though I'm a little taller, so I didn't, I didn't hunch as much as he did. Um, but I, that's the only person I wanted to be like. And eventually, I think after year two or three, I stood up a little taller, just messing around in BP. And I started hitting the ball like 40 feet further. Hmm. And I was like, well, I'm going to just work on this one right here. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but that was, that was mainly it. Um, if you look at um, hitters, if you're hunched over, there are certain pitches that you can reach that when you're standing up, you can't reach. So you can go from Rod Carew, Pete Rose, um, how the, you know, even Tony Gwynn. And then if you look at guys who are more straight up, have a little bit more power. Um, and then there's those guys that are in between that have power and have plate coverage. Um, so I was like, one day, like I said, I stood up one day and was like, oh yeah, I'm hitting the ball 40 feet further to left field. I'm going to keep this one and just continue to work on it, um, for the next, you know, 19 years. Yeah. Well, a, a thing of beauty. And, uh, I think something that most people agree on, it's, it's just, uh, you know, one of the greatest things in, in sports history. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about your investment in players TV. There's a lot of athletes now that are interested in creating their own content. And, you know, there's pieces of content that are important for them to have made. Uh, players TV, Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, Vernon Davis, others. You're the first baseball investor. What led you to want to invest and be a part of players TV? Well, you know, I, I've been hit on throughout the years to do a reality TV show and, and I kept saying no because I wanted my kids to grow up as normal as possible. Mm. Um, what people have to understand is their normal may not be somebody else's normal. Right. And, and vice versa. Um, I have three great kids who, um, give the shirt off their back. There's been plenty of times I'm like, you can't just give that away. That is yours. And they're like, yeah, but he needs it more. Mm. You know, he doesn't have this. And, and, uh, and, and when they start saying it like that, I'm like, all right. Um, you know, they, they all graduated from Dr. Phillips high school in Orlando, um, which is a predominantly, um, middle, lower class, um, public school. And, you know, the football team, you know, I tell, you know, I, I tell, when I talk to the kids, I said, your coaches have to beg, borrow, and steal to get the things that you have. And, you know, Coach Wells, um, has done a great job of, of getting the things that he needs. He still needs some help. And so I sit there and I'm like, whatever you need. So, you know, some of the, these guys, you know, the, whether it be feeding them, um, because they don't have a budget for food, um, you know, and that, and that, that, you know, 150 sandwiches a day, you know, is it, it, tough. And so I try to help them out as much as possible. But the TV part is as they grew up, now that they're, you know, my, my youngest 
um, is going to be a freshman in college. I can start doing things that I've always wanted to do to show a different side of, of not only me, but other people. Um, what do we do in our family life? You know, that people never see, um, which is for me, you know, I like to, to go fishing. I like to go hunting. Um, you know, I fly a plane. So I do a lot of things. I scuba dive, but people don't really get to see any of that because over the years I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to see my kid play. I got to get here. I got to fly. Um, but our fishing part is absolutely one of the funniest things. Fishing and hunting are, are two of the biggest things. <laughs> Uh, because I take my dad hunting. So it's two generations. So this year, um, it's going to be three because Trey wants to go. So there'll be three generations of, of, of Griffey's going hunting. And I bring my, uh, dad's best friend who basically he is my uncle and they are the two funniest people. <laughs> uh, um, because they don't back down to each other, but they're, they have to stay in the same room. <laughs> and and I can hear them telling these these fabricated stories, uh, but it, it, it's great. And it gives me a chance to to hang out with my dad and, and see the relationship. You know, I want people to see the relationship that I have with my dad, even though you know my dad played baseball. It's a normal relationship. It, it's funny he still tells me to this day, you know, what to do, and I start laughing. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm 50. I have kids of my own. He was like, yeah, but that's not how you do it. I'm like, <laughs> and, and I'm like, it's a, a, the funniest thing. Cause I'm like, um, you want to stop this. Cause we're going to have some problems. <laughs> it's so true. Like parents still see us as kids, even when we're adults and we have kids of our own. It's the same thing with my family. They, they must see us as like 11 years old forever. Cause, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of how it works. Yeah, I have that problem um, because, you know, my kids are 26, 24, 18, you know, and my daughter leave the house. I'm like, hey, where you going? And she's like, dad, I'm like, where you going? Uh, Trey leaves the house. I'm like, what time are you getting back? Uh, um, you know, but the, the toughest part, you know, during this pandemic is having a 17 year old. And I said, you know, you went from spring break to senior skip day that means some from spring break to senior skip semester. Right. Cause y'all missed the whole semester and he started laughing. I was like, but it was tough trying to keep him, you know, in the house, keep him engaged. Uh, um, you know, we did a lot of board games and things like that. Um, played ping pong pool. Um, you know, so the social distancing uh, for a 17-year-old was kind of tough at the time he was 17. Uh, but, you know, I, I try to tell people because all my friends are like, I can't I can't stay in there. Go, can you imagine what this is what a celebrity has to go through? Yeah. Not being trapped in the house, but not being able to go certain places and do certain things because is it worth it to go out? And... You know, for me, I was comfortable. I mean, everybody else was like, okay, I got to get out. I'm like, no, we're not going anywhere. Um, 
and then as they started, you know, easing up, uh, we were able to do things. But for the most part, it, it, it's it was tough on it's tough on everybody. Um, you know, I tell my wife that I was a essential worker because I was the one going to go get the groceries and go get the mail, and then and we had an assembly line. Uh, you wipe everything off. One person wipes. The other one does this. Since I was the one who went and got everything, I would come in the house and then go directly take a shower and then come down and start with everybody else, start cooking with everybody else. Yeah. I think it's so great. I mean, I know how close you were or are with your dad and, you know, you grew up in the clubhouse with him and just hearing you talk about him. But I, I think it's wonderful that, you know, especially with Father's Day coming up, you're so close with your own kids and, and you're present because, you know, that's not really the case with uh, a lot of people in your line of work because you're on the road so much and you're traveling and they kind of need to be reintroduced to their family post-career. But the relationship you've built with your kids is, is really a strong one. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the biggest things that uh, um, for me is – you only play baseball for a certain amount of times, play sports for a certain amount of time. But I am a dad, you know, I'm going to be a dad longer than I play baseball. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, but it, it, like I said, it's so funny because, you know, we do things and I have my kids telling me what to do. And they're, like I said, they're 26 and 24. <laughs> uh, the 17 year old, I mean, 18 year old, Tevin, <laughs> Uh, he hadn't got that privilege yet of being able to say things, but he'll look at me and go, dad, that's not what we do. Now, if I have a, a, a phone problem, a computer problem, that's the person I call. The look <laughs> He's your <laughs> IT guy. Yeah. <clears throat> but we, we have these things. I mean, um, as far as family wise, we, we, we really enjoy each other company. Um, you know, like if, What's funny is with Melissa and I are leaving to go out to dinner. My kids are asking us, why y'all didn't invite us? Hmm. So they want to be a part of everything. Um, am I the fun dad? Absolutely. Am I the disciplinarian? No. Because mm -mm. my, my mom was the disciplinarian. My dad was like, hey, let's, I got in trouble. Okay. So at, I give you a little story. At, at 15, I took my mom mowed my dad's car. And I was going to pick up my friends and my grandmother busted me right when I was leaving the driveway. <laughs> so this is Friday night. So my dad's in New York at the time. So I played the first game of the double hitter and I got a plane to catch the second half. So I get on the plane and I'm like, Oh, my dad's going to kill me. My dad's going to kill me. My dad's going to kill me. Well, back then, you know, they could go to the gate. So I come off the plane. He's sitting on the other side of the aisle at another gate. And he just points at me and points to the seat right next to him. So I walk over there. Now, that little 30 uh, step walk might have been two miles <laughs> in my eyes. <laughs> so I sit down and he goes, oh, I knew you was going to do this. I was just waiting. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. So I know he can't, he can't really do nothing at the airport. So I'm good. So we uh get in the car and I'm like, we're in the car and I'm like, oh, he's going to kill me now. He didn't say nothing to me the whole time. 
And probably we were at LaGuardia and we were going to, uh, we lived in New Jersey at the time. So I was like, oh, we get in the house. My mom's there. I'm like, well, there's a 50-50 chance he ain't going to do nothing now. So he starts yelling at me. And then he, in the middle, he goes, go in the room. And I went, there it is. I'm done. So I go in the room and I come running back out because there's a brand new glove. It's a batting gloves for me. And he sticks me on the plane Sunday morning and I play the second game of the double hitter. <laughs> so that, that, that's how much of a dis- Now, my mom had different. She was like, you should just ground him for life. But uh, he was he he understands. And, and as a male, having a young male in the house, you understand what happens. Like I tell my wife all the time, I understand what it's like to be a 15 to 19 year old male. I can't help you at on the female level. So the, her, her emotions is you deal with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we understand our, our balance in, in our, our house is I'll say something like, Hey, that's enough. And, and she'll say, okay. And then the same thing, cause I'll say something to Taryn and they'll go, she'll go, Hey, that's not how you address. That's not how you say something to a girl. And I'm like, well, I say it to the boy. Girls are different. I'm like, no, they're not. And so we, we had this thing that, uh, how we talk to our kids, we may have to change it up because of their gender. <clears throat> now your kids are very accomplished athletes as well. Uh, your sons play football and your daughter plays college basketball or played college basketball at University of yeah. Arizona. Uh, so, you know, your dad saw you come up and, and he taught you the ropes. How's your parenting style with them when it comes to sports? Um, I let the coaches coach. Um, I have, I've always had this, this, uh, this motto. Uh, if I'm paying, I have a say, but once I stop paying, I really don't have a say that Mm. is all up to you. So through little league and stuff like that, I have a say, you know, to the, with the coaches because I am paying. Once it got to high school and and college, I had no say. Um, and I left it at that. Um, in the years where my kids were in college, my two older ones, I have never gone to the head coach and had a conversation in his office. Now, Trey spent five years under Rich Rod, and I've never seen Rich Rod's office. Hmm. Um, I would sit in the stands. You know, I, I like to learn um, how coaches coach, and, and I'm intrigued by how, you know, the way that other sports work. Um, I was talking to uh, Rob Turbin, uh, running back, you see with the Seahawks. Right. And uh, we were talking a couple days ago, and he said, okay, tell me how spring training works. I said, now, you're talking about a rookie or a veteran? He goes, okay, let's talk about the rookie. I said, the rookie, you're there till if you're playing, you're there till 5 o'clock. He said, what happens if you're not playing as a rookie? You're still there at 5 o'clock. You're right. He said, okay, as a veteran, if you're not playing. I said, well, I take DP at 930. I'm in my car going home at 1030. He goes, say it again. I said, yeah. Uh, uh, 
we stretch it. And we stretch at nine. We start hitting at nine. We do PFT to nine thirty. We start hitting at ten. I'm in the first group. And the first group I go in and take a shower and then I'm headed home at ten thirty. He just like, nah, that he goes, What about film? I said, What film? Yeah. He said he goes, Y'all don't watch film? I said, Yeah, we watch film on game day of the picture that we facing during the regular season. You know, but other than that, no, nah, we ain't sitting there like y'all watching film. Right. And I just told him, I said, you know, football players don't retain information as much as baseball players do. <laughs> you start laughing. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Nearly 20 years ago, Boingo dreamed of a world where people could connect to the wireless internet anywhere with any device. Today, that dream is reality, and Boingo has been at the forefront. Now more than ever, staying connected is what matters most. Boingo keeps people connected to the people and things they love with next-generation networks built for the 5G era. They are the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., and they work with sports teams across the NFL, NBA, MLS, NCAA, and more. From 5G and CBRS to DAS and Wi-Fi, Boingo is a trusted partner for staying connected now and in the future. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Connectivity is more important than ever, and you can learn more by visiting boingo.com or emailing sbradio at boingo.com. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. So you love photography, and that you would go shoot your kids' games from the sidelines, and then that way you could kind of watch it in peace. No one would bother you, and, and also you got to take some shots of them. I know you've shot some Monday Night Football. I know you were at Ichiro's last game in Tokyo. Where does that passion for photography come from, and is it kind of allowed you to watch the game in a different way without people bothering you? Uh, well, I, I, I would, I would tease, um, you know, the, the people like the other parents, uh, when I would take a picture, they'd be like, yeah, uh, uh, NFL film started somewhere. They just didn't start at the NFL level. <laughs> and they, I go, which they probably did. But in my case, you know, it, learning the game and, and learning photographer, uh, photography, um, but it was a much slower pace, you know, a nine-year-old is not going to run as fast as a, a pro football player. Right. So it was able to learn um, certain techniques. And I have friends, uh, uh, Scott Clark and Phil Ellsworth, who, who have put me, you know, took me under their wings and, and allowed me to, to learn the game, uh, the tricks, and try to be in the right spot at the right time. And they've done it for so long. So here's where you want to be when they're coming down this way. Here's what camera, uh, here's the lenses. Um, you know, whether that's a 400 at 70 to 200 or a little 24, 14 to 24. So I was able to, to learn. And then it just branched off. I went to uh, Africa last Christmas. I hmm. uh, went to three safaris. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, I go to an air show. And I sit next to the, the guys who are professional photographers for air shows. And, 
and ask questions. So it's just not one aspect. Uh, only thing I haven't done is underwater shooting. Hmm. Even though I have, I have an underwater housing. Um, just, I, I think I'd rather have my hands free when I'm underwater. <laughs> yeah. You and me both. Uh, but, uh, you know, everything I've, you know, whether it's learning portraits, I'm, I'm always trying to do something to not so much occupy my time, but to learn, uh, what other people are, are doing. Cause I'm not the best photographer. That's I'm not cool. The best scuba diving. I'm not the best pilot, but I have friends who are the best in that field and I can rely on them. I think that people think once they're, uh, a pro at something, they're a pro at everything. And that's not the case. There are people who do things better than you. And if you're willing to learn, they're willing to teach. Going back to Players TV for a minute, uh, have you thought about collaborating on content with Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony? Have you thought about being behind the camera? I mean, we've talked about reality show and, and you know how some outdoor content would be cool, but have you thought about being behind the camera? Again, when you look yeah. at this opportunity, do you, do you envision some things with those people? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, not so much the... I want to do like a, uh, a day in a life of a football player, a basketball player, a baseball player, pedal player simultaneously. Hmm. Uh, you know, what would a football player be doing? What would a baseball player and what would a basketball player, but have it split into three screens so you can see what is, what the players are doing each day because we are so different. Um, to me also, it's a lot easier for an athlete to come talk to another athlete because he has an idea hmm. and understands what goes on in that, that man's life or that woman's life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my wife loves soccer. The only person I want to be on the soccer team, I want to be the goalie. And my wife said, why do you want to be the goalie? I said, because number one, he gets to wear the different uniforms. He got the glove. And he the guy that looks sweet with the water bottle that he could put to the side. Everybody else is doing way too much running for me. And she starts laughing. She goes, that's the only thing you think of. I'm like, yeah, plus he's the one that, you know, for probably eight minutes out of the game, he's the one person that you really care about. Right. And everybody else, oh, he made a goal. He made a goal. He made a goal. And, but you, I can't believe he let that goal in. I can't believe he did this. You know, I, you know, the center and the goalie. Those are the only two people that you really know on the, on the, uh, team. Yeah. The, but I, I, you wanna, like, do I wanna direct? Yeah. Um, do I want to go to, and I've, I've done enough commercials and been in a couple movies, uh, to just sit behind it and, and but to dive into it, I really want to sit behind uh, uh, a couple shoots first to understand the creative part and the vision and, and what the mindset is before I do it. Um, just don't want to dive into something and have 15 other people go, no, 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 it should go like this, it should go like that. Uh, 
you can do that with one or two, but you just don't want to be unorganized when you do shoot something. Right. And, uh, and as far as my content, um, you really want to show people that, Hey, I played baseball, but there's much more to, to me than just hitting the slider and running the wall. Um, I look at someone like Russell Westbrook right now. He's doing a documentary on Black Wall Street. Obviously, the Black Lives Matter movement is very, very strong right now. Is there any story that you look at historically and, and say, I want to tell that story? No. I mean, I think that you, you that what's going on now uh, with Black Lives Matter um, I think it's important. Um, you know, the, the, the thing is for me is I want to be treated fairly and equally. That's all I can ask. You know, I don't, I don't want to be put on a pedestal, uh, because I play baseball and that you know me. Just treat me fairly and equally as a human being. And I think that's the, the, the problem that we're having is, you know, because of who I am, yeah, I have a, I understand that I have a little more leeway than, but the people who don't have voices should have a voice and should be treated as a human being. And I think, you know, when you see these things happen on TV, uh, you know, some people get numb to it, but for in the black community, we never get numb to it because you know, it, it happens. Uh, you know, I sat there because I don't know what my wife feels when my boys leave. And she has to tell me, you know, even though we've had the talk, you know, what happens when you get pulled over. This is what happens when you see people uh, uh, in uniform. I think it was different for me growing up because I was able to go to the fire department and see those guys. I was able to go to the police department. We had field trips. We were climbing on the ladders. We had field trips where, you know, we went to the uh, the police station and saw the police that worked in our our uh, community. Um, I don't think that they have that now because I've never, you know, having three kids, they've never had that type of, of exposure. So I think it is different because some of the people that the, the families don't see the, the the police in a certain way that I did as a kid. Um, you know, there are always going to be a few bad apples. Um, you know, there's bad apples in baseball. There's bad apples. You know, there's bad apples everywhere. But you know, sometimes you can't blame one guy for the whole community. Um, Again, it, it, it's a tough situation, um, and people just want to be heard, and, and I think <clears throat> that's going to be a positive for for the next generation of kids. I think this is a, a unique situation. I think it's going to be better for, like I said, better for this country, um, that we're all in this together. I mean, we kept one another. We all bleed red. So, you know, going back 
to your original question about do I want to film? No, I've been sitting looking at, uh, you know, we watched, uh, Black Wall Street twice. Um, and it, my wife is raised in Seattle, outside of Seattle, Gay Harbor. Um, she never heard the story about Tulsa, but I did living on the East Coast. Hmm. And so she was like, I've never heard about this. And I was like, yeah, I remember this as a kid, uh, been talking about it. And we sat and watched it, uh, three out of the, three out of five, uh, four out of two out of three kids just traded at work. So we all sat there and watched it and they were like, I can't believe that this happened. And, uh, so it was, it was quite a learning experience of, of you know, for my kids and, and my wife, where, like I said, I heard about it and, um, you know, it, it gave us a conversation, uh, about, you know, my kids were like, Hey, can we go see it? Can we take a trip to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to see what happened? Uh, <clears throat> can we go to um, Alabama and walk across the bridge? Uh, you know, they're, they want to do these things. And I'm like, okay. The only problem is they so far on, you know, with their sports, they're, they're never at home at the same time. Mm. So we haven't done these things. Uh, the bridge they really want to do, they keep bringing it up and everybody's home and then the pandemic hit. And so they wanted to walk across, uh, the bridge. Um, and they want to go to Tulsa. That's great that they want to, they want to learn that. And I have a daughter too. And, and, you know, I think young people right now are, are really interested in the, the history and, they do want to go to the places where that history happened. And I think it's great that, uh, you know, you're having those conversations with your kids. I know you've got to go soon. So just a couple more questions. Um, you know, when, when you were playing baseball, you and Michael Jordan had more swag than anyone. You had the backwards hat and the black bat. And I look at baseball now and it just doesn't seem to have the same hip, cool factor to it that it had when, you were playing and I know that, you know, baseball now is having a tougher time getting young people interested because they're on their video games or they're on their phones and they're not going to sit and watch a game for two and a half hours. Is there anything baseball can do to kind of reattract that younger generation? Um, <clears throat> I think if you love baseball, you love baseball. If you love football, you love football, if you love basketball. You know, basketball, um, you know, it, it's how can you, you know, what my friends say is baseball has a, <clears throat> excuse me, baseball has a, baseball has a, how do you say it? Um, they don't have a talent problem. They have a superstar problem. Hmm. They got a lot of kids who can play baseball who are real talented but they don't have that one or two, three, four superstars that can carry the league. Hmm. Now, now <clears throat> did I think about that as a kid? 
absolutely not. Um, did I think about, you know, being that guy that carried the league? No, it, it just so happens to happen. It's something, it's nothing that you can, that you go, I want to be the guy. I want to carry the league because you may not put up the numbers to carry the league. But, you know, for me, um, I was a 19 year old. It was like the perfect storm. Um, I was a little bit rebellious on certain things. I mean, you know, people, Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on and at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. So I just turned it around because I just wanted to wear my dad's hat. I didn't want to be, it wasn't like I was trying to be different. I just wanted to wear my dad's hat. Even now, when I put on a hat, I put it on backwards. That's a great story. I never knew that was kind of the reason for why you, you wore your, your hat backwards, but it became cool. And I mean, you had to have noticed all the kids that were wearing their hats backwards because of you. Yeah. I started laughing because, you know, you had the, the, the rounded brim guys, you had the fold, the, 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 the one big crease in the middle. Uh, then now you got the flat bill hat. Uh, but, the one thing that all of them do is turn it around. <laughs> so, uh, have I noticed this? I was on a Nike trip last year and I was the only one with my hat forward. Everybody else had their hat backwards and they're like, how can you do? I was like, well, it's, uh, yeah. And I was like, all right. So I turned my hat around. They were like, okay, that's better. Yeah, you know, they um, were but, all wearing it backwards because of you. And then they're like, wait a minute. He's the only one not wearing it backwards. Yeah, I, I, I still do it. I mean, it, it's so ingrained in me. Um, we talk about being defiant. I, I belong to a country club here and I got a letter in the, the mail that says you got to wear your peak forward. So meaning your bill facing forward. So I built hats and it said peak forward on the back of it. So when I turned it around, it said peak forward <laughs> and I wore it and I'm like, you know, that's who I am. And I almost left the club because of, you know, you're not going to let me wear my hat backwards. Exactly. It's not like, uh, it's not like, uh, I'm a slob. It's not like my shirt is untucked. I got, you know, I just, this is who I am. Right. And I think, you know, when I did the three interviews, I think he, you know, being who I am, I, my life is the open book. You know, you know that everything that you see from home on derbies to this to that, my hat's going to be backwards until I play. Once I play, and if they, if the Mariners would have put a logo on the back of the hat, I might have just wore it backwards then. <laughs> <laughs> and millions of kids would have done the same thing. I guarantee it. And they would have been trying to play in their games with their hats backwards. Yeah. I actually played a little league game with my hat back, but I played a big league game in the way we had turn back the clock, turn, uh, uh, turn up the clock. So I was able to wear my hat backwards during a game, but, uh, I wore my hat backwards in a little league game all the time. Well, and you wore your hat backwards in the home run derby, especially the one that you hit the bomb off of, uh, the building at Camden Yards. Like that's an iconic picture of you hitting that shot because no one's hit that building 
before or since, and and you had the hat backwards. So that was fun in the home run derby too. That a Major League Baseball let you do that, but b like you know that's a fun event, and you brought fun to those events, and you brought energy to those events. Uh, if you're gonna do it, you gotta have some fun. Uh, you know, my my thing is I'm not gonna do something that I don't enjoy. It's just I'm not gonna give you the effort. Um, that's certainly I will tell you, schoolwork is a little different. Nobody likes to do schoolwork, but that has to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't like to take out the garbage, but I, it has to be done. <laughs> There's certain things in this world that you're going to have to do. Uh, but for, uh, for me, doing home run derby, uh, playing baseball, I enjoyed it. And, you know, that's, you know, what I wanted to do. And, but, you know, sports teaches you so many things. You know, it teaches you how to fail and get back up. You know, not everybody's going to be successful, but sports is the one thing, you know, that one good shot, that one good hit, that one good catch, that one, you know, good pass keeps you coming back. And, but it, it teaches you that failure, you don't have to accept it. You just got to keep going, you know. I was talking to the kids last night about um, I had 10,000 at bats, a little less than 10,000 at bats. I got 2,700 hits. Well, I had to fail a little more than 7,000 times. Mm. And they're like, and they look at it a different way like, oh, I said, you know, so I understand about failure more than you guys do. Because, you know, if you catch three passes out of 10 in football, you ain't going to last too long. You make three shots out of 10 in basketball, you're not going to last too long. Right. And so, so I understand about getting knocked down and having to pick yourself back up because I've had to do it more times than you guys. Resilience. It's, it's definitely a common denominator with successful people uh as we end speaking of failure my golf game is a failure but i know that you love golf and you've played some great courses we were talking before uh i live in oregon so bannon dunes is one of my favorite resorts i just got to play the opening of the sheep ranch i know you've played at bandon are there some other courses that you have really enjoyed over the course of your lifetime i went to scotland went to ireland mm. uh was I played uh in Spain. Um, but US courses, you know, Pebble Beach, Torrey Pine, uh Bandon Dunes. Um I I belong to Grove twenty three, which is Michael's course. Where is that? Uh Hope Sound. Okay. Um I'm a member at Alworth. Um you know, I play Disney a lot. You know, I have friends who, who are VPs at Disney, so we get a chance to, to go out. But, uh, you know, I'm a, uh, I like to play everywhere. You know, I don't, I, golf is, you know, people say, oh, you're playing the guy next to you. No, you're playing the golf course. They get mad at me because I call it a recreational activity. <laughs> I said, there's no defense in golf. There's like the course of the defense. I go, he ain't human. <laughs> I can't, he can't force his wheel on you. If you want to hit a seven iron all the way down 
you can't. Right. I said, but let somebody stand in front of you and block your shot. It's a little different. Let somebody catch your fly ball. It's a little different. Have you ever played with Tiger? Yeah. I've, uh, I played with Tiger, um, up until like 99 when, like, uh, when he moved down to Jupiter. Um, we would probably early, in his career, we'd probably play about 40 times a, uh, a year. Um, you know, there was one game that it was, now I'm the high handicapper at, at this time at like 10. And it was Mark O'Meara, Payne Stewart, Lee Jansen, Scott Hope, Craig Perry, Grant Waite, Tiger. And I know I'm missing somebody. Uh, and we were all on, and it was like there was a cluster of balls and then it was my ball. <laughs> then there was like a cluster of balls on the green, then it was my ball. Uh, and you know, these guys are the, the, the best in the world and um they're just throwing darts all day. Um I think Tiger shot sixty two. Wow. Um and then Tiger and I went out a little later and he gave me uh, 12 shots and I shot 76 and he shot like 60, 61, 62, somewhere around there. He said, Ooh, you didn't work for that one. <laughs> uh, but there was one day where he lost to my wife on a par five. Uh, we were all playing and this was the year that Michael and, and um John Elway retired. Okay. So we tee off, she hits a bomb and then she hits it to like two feet of the pin. Dang. So she eagles it, Tiger birdies it, not part. Well, she was like, I'm gone. She jumps in her golf cart and drives <laughs> home. She was like, I just beat the number one player in the world. What do I have to prove now? Oh, that's a great story. And she never played after that. Like, she never played competition. Like, not competition golf, but she never really played golf after that. She's like, I can't, I can only go down after beating him. Uh, she's won the, the ladies cup at Alworth. I came in like third. So she's got the bigger trophy in golf at the house. And that's not really fun. You know, because my friends always remind me, so who has the bigger trophy in golf? And I was like, oh, it's just I do. But I have to remind her and everybody else that I have three hole-in-ones now. So, Wow, three hole-in-ones? Where's your first one? At Disney after the tournament. So when they had the tournament here, uh, one of my friends and I, would, he was the uh, director of golf at Disney, we would go out that Monday and it was uh number 12 par three hit a little cut five iron and never saw it go in. I went to the back bunker. He went to the front bunker and then he walked and he threw his hat, glove. I mean, his hat down <laughs> and it was sitting there. Oh man. Now I made it. I made an eight on the next hole. Cause I was calling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Hey, uh, all anyone cares about is the hole in one. They don't care about the eight. And then this past November, I was in Mexico and, uh, made a, a hole in one 
And then in uh, January, I made another one. <clears throat> Dang, you're on a roll with hole in ones. Right. I, I can't, I, you know, I, I, I told him I got my international uh, hole in one, so I'm good. That's great. Ken Griffey Jr., baseball Hall of Famer. You can find him on Instagram at the real Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, again, investor and partner with Players TV. You can find them online at playerstv.co. Ken, such a pleasure to talk to you. Happy Father's Day to you. Uh, seems like you're a Thank great you. dad. You and, uh, you know, this has been a pleasure and I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. If you're working from home now, like I am, you still need to look professional. Many of us are doing Zoom conferences or FaceTime calls with business associates. That's why I turn to my mizzen and main dress shirts. I need to look good from the waist up, but I also want to be comfortable. Mizzen and main is like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for comfort while working from home. It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like JJ Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head on over to MizzenAndMain.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenAndMain.com code SBR. Guess what? Mizzen and Main also makes super comfortable wrinkle-free pants and shorts, so you can check those out as well. Head on over to MizzenAndMain.com, use promo code SBR to get $10 off your next purchase. That's MizzenAndMain.com, code SBR. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends from Boingo Wireless, CBDMD, and Mizzen in Maine. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at SportsBusinessRadio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.